All right, welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Jacob Dahlin, your host. Today's guest, a Canadian uh, guy that has played a little bit in Sweden that caught my eye. Lucas Venuto, welcome to the to the podcast. Thanks, Shaper. Thanks for having me. Excited to be on with you in chat. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. Yeah. So you were just telling me you just got a big rainstorm here in uh, where you are. Where are you? Are you in Mississauga? No, I'm in uh, I'm in Toronto. So I'm just uh, I live in North York. So it's uh, kind of a little bit north of the city, a little 20 minute drive downtown. All right. I should absolutely get better at my Canadian geography and I'm terrible at it, I admit. So <laughs> who is uh, who's Lucas? Tell us about your background a little bit. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, so I'm from Toronto. Um, I spent, uh, my junior career split between, uh, the Quebec major junior league, the OHL and some time in the OJHL. And, uh, after my overage year in the OHL, I finished up in Windsor. I, uh, had the opportunity to go play pro in Sweden where I spent most of my pro career over there. Um, played for a couple teams and then I uh, played in the East Coast Hockey League for a little bit. And, uh, yeah, and after I retired, I uh, I got into uh, some player development roles. So I work with a lot of major junior guys, junior guys, pro guys, NCAA guys. So uh, when they're done from their seasons, I uh, I get on the ice with them, and we're, we're pretty busy. So it's good. 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 Well, I, I in my little notes, I, I, I put in, like, three different categories here. One – Talk about your junior being playing juniors in Canada, and and we'll go into detail that number two, your time and how in the heck did you end up in Sweden, and then <laughs> then we'll finish up in your new role here. So I'm looking sure. at I'm looking at your elite prospects. You know, you were kind of humble. Oh yeah, I did a little of this, did a little of that. If you, if you break down your stats, and you know how elite prospects does it, uh, well, you, you were tearing it up in the Canadian juniors in in all levels. Uh, yeah it's yeah I had, I had a good couple of years there it's you know you could kind of see where I was just you know had the handcuffs off me a little bit and I was <laughs> able to just play my game and succeed and uh yeah it's uh it was a good time in my life I, I miss playing junior hockey it's you know you're coming up you know, all you guys like you're young you're having a good time and uh I play I was really lucky to play a part of some uh some good organizations so it was a lot of fun yeah so, uh, so you started off how, for those that are in Sweden, I think be, be cool to kind of talk about. So, oh, so, so you, um, you played U16 and OJHL at the same time, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah huh. So my draft, my draft year in minor midget. So you'll see that happen where, um, guys that are, more highly touted or they're you know they're kind of at the higher end of the the draft prospect pool will actually ap so call up with uh tier two junior a teams yeah um so yeah so as a 15 year old i played a few games uh, a few playoff games and a few regular season games up with the streetsville derbies and that was like my first taste of junior hockey as a 15 year old yeah how is that so you know because not a lot of people that are in Sweden, when 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 you say the draft, everybody thinks about the NHL draft, but what they don't realize is how big the OHL draft is. 
around there. So talk about that. What's what's it like being 14, 15? You know, is that the the first kind of um real serious now we go from what we call down here in the US youth hockey, you guys call it minor hockey, but yeah, what's it like? Yeah, so I mean across the CHL, so out west and the Q and the OHL, it's it's a big deal like when you're when you're coming up but specifically being in the gta here in toronto the hockey hub that it is you start to get a lot of pressure put on you as a 14 15 year old even as a 13 year old you know especially if guys are highly touted and skilled they'll start being like oh this guy's gonna be a sure lock for the first round and it's like kids 13 years old right and that starts that starts to creep into your ear a little bit and uh you kind of learn from a young age a little bit about pressure and handling that like it's it's a big deal you know and there's you know 15 rounds and you know some kid might get drafted in the 15th round the last pick but it's like it's such a big deal right you know i got drafted (laughs) so it's it's a really it's a big deal here and i think um people put a lot of pressure on kids to get drafted when at the end of the day like you're 15 years old you're you're a baby you know, some guys really don't start coming into their own until they're 18, 19, 20, even in college, 21, 22. You know, it's it's a long journey. But, yeah, it's it's a big deal. And it's it's pretty nuts. Um, minor hockey rinks here are packed, like especially when you got guys coming up like, you know, there's the McDavid's and there's Shane Wright's and, you know, Mikey McLeod's a big one, like all these types of guys like in minor hockey. There's, the rinks fill up pretty quickly. So the the uh, the three tier one leagues up in Canada, uh, highest leagues, Western Can- Western Hockey League, WHL, OHL, which is Ontario, and then and the Q. So yep. how are you? Could could you play in either one of them if you are in Ontario? I know there's a lot of restrictions on that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, no. So I technicalities on it, or they change a little bit, but. No, like if you're born in Ontario, you got to go if you're, you know, if you end up getting drafted, you're drafted. But if you're a free agent and you don't get drafted, I think it's you can move to that province. Like if you're going to go play in the queue, like you can move to Quebec or Nova Scotia or, or whatever. Yeah. And you can now go through them and sign as a free agent. And if you are drafted, I believe you're eligible to be in the OHL until a team doesn't roster you for camp. And then you could go on the free agent list and get passed through, and then you start becoming available for the other leagues. So it's, yeah, it's it's not totally common to see guys go to other leagues, but it does happen. For me, I was actually, so I played tier two junior in the OJ as a 16-year-old because I had a verbal commitment uh, D1 to a D1 school. And then I ended up going to play in the queue. My family lived in Quebec, so I just, I moved in with my mom. Okay. And then that's how, that's how I got there. What about... So uh, what about U sports or the Canadian uh, college university hockey? No, you don't hear a lot about that. Everybody just talks about D1 NCAA. Why is that? Um, It's different. So when I was just getting out of the OHL, um, it was called the U sports was called CIS. Um, It was just starting to get a little bit better. Um, now when you play major junior, there's different school packages. So your mm-hmm. team essentially, depending on the package pays for your education. So the big thing with D one or and NCAA in general, back in the day was go there, get my free education. Well, now if you play a major junior, you will get your education as well. 
So a lot of guys are getting smart where before it'd be like, you know, maybe the third, fourth line guys are signing there, sprinkled in with the odd stud. But now like top end point per game players that are thinking, maybe I don't sign a show deal. I don't want to do a two way American League deal. Maybe I'll go to school, get my education, develop a bit and then go pro after, especially if you end up in a program like out east or out west and U sports like if you go through their rosters, guys are signing American League deals or some guys signing you know, NHL deals, the hockey's gotten really good. Yeah. Like it's, it's really good hockey now. Cause you got guys that are point per game players, a major junior, and they're only getting bigger, better, faster, more mature. So it's just like a, a much better version of major junior yeah. nowadays. Um, so if we fast forward, so did you go in the draft, um, um, in the OHL draft? Uh, no, so that's a, that was a very fun time in my life. I was, I was like a pretty highly touted player. Um, I was projected in the first three rounds. I mixed in a couple bad mistakes some bad advice. I was, I basically had a team they, what they do these teams is, uh, you have phone interviews. Um, so teams call you have a phone interview just to hear your voice, kind of see what you're like as a, as a young man. And then uh, for some players, they'll actually invite them out to games and they'll sit them in the stands and maybe they'll show them around the room, do a little tour. And I was told, and they're basically like, we want to take you in as our second pick, so in the second round. So whenever you have your phone interview, tell teams you're going to school, which I did. So I recommend you don't do that. And uh, so teams, what that basically does is, you know, if that team doesn't pay, take you in the second round, maybe they could sneak you in the sixth round because teams get scared off. They're like, oh, he's going to go to school or something. So I ended up getting passed through the draft. And then I had offers to go to camps after that, which I was already bitter at that point. So I said, no, I want to go to school. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I had a, I had a verbal commitment. And then uh, I ended up changing my mind as a 17-year-old and going to play major junior anyway. So, but no, yeah. I I didn't get drafted. And, and then when you take that going major junior, then you, then you have a, fork in the road and once you do that you can't go ncaa right you can but you have to redshirt and i forget what the the rule is exactly but it's i could be wrong about this it might be every game played in a season is a year you have to redshirt or something along those lines but either way as soon as you dress and play a game you're you have to redshirt a year so you could still go to the ncaa but you're missing hockey for a year yeah I, I, it's going to be so interesting in the next few years. What's going to change with Canadian juniors and and NCAA? It's bound to it's bound to do something. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think so. All right, phase two here, Murram. Uh, and I think when you and I talked offline, I, I for some reason I was thinking it was it was around Gothenburg, but I, I'm from Lexund, which is more in the central north, up 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 further north. So anything's further yep. down my geography gets real shaky, but it's really way down South. How did you end up there? Uh, Hokietan, which yeah. is third division, which is, which is good hockey. So let's talk about how you ended up there. And what was your, what was your thoughts when you, when you got there? Yeah. So I had a really good uh, overager season after I got traded to Windsor in the OHL. I finished, I was over a point per game. Yeah. Um, 31 and, games. Uh, Windsor Spitfires, OHL, 31 games, 35 points. 14 goals, 21, uh, 21, uh, apples. Yeah, it was, I, I had a good, good opportunity there. I was, you know, 
kind of my the overage year for a lot of guys that don't get drafted or that they're you know trying to sign an entry level or an American League deal. It's a big year, and you can only have a few overagers on your team, so it's you know it's tough fighting for a job. And I was in Mississauga, and I, I started well. My first like five or six games, I was just over a point per game, and then we had some young talent that they wanted to develop. So you know they basically said, hey, like we're kind of rebuilding here. So I kind of took a back seat, which hurt me. I went like 18 games without a point. I was barely playing. It was really tough. So I got called in the office one day and uh, GM goes, I got some bad news. So I'm like, oh, great. Like I'm getting cut. Like I'm having a tough year. I was like, I just traded you. Ended up being the best thing to happen to me. So I had a really good year. Um, I had some offers to go play in the East Coast Hockey League, but there's a lot of shuffle that happens there. So I said, you know what? I want to go play in new sports. Um, So I signed a letter of intent to go to the University of PEI. Um, they had an excellent program out there. They have a they have a really good thing going on, and it's a really good division. And then uh, someone came along uh, just in the hockey world, and who has uh, has a lot of experience in Sweden and played there, coached there, scouted. And he's basically like, "Which what do you think about playing pro in Sweden?" I said, "That sounds pretty awesome. I've played with Swedes in my major junior career. Great people, and I know I knew a little bit about the country. I was like, why not?" So. Yeah, I ended up there um, and uh, I got uh, I kind of got the drive. I was like, you know what? I want to stay here. I want to move up to Alice and I want to move up all the way through. And so, yeah, so I put in some some time there and that's kind of how I ended up there. Yeah. So so what was your I mean, so what was your thought, first of all, because I mean, you, you you've you you worked really hard. You I'm sure you kind of living the dream you're playing OHL and you you're hoping to be able to go play in the NHL it didn't happen you start to see that how it works it's a, it's a it's a it's a cutthroat business and they're putting their you, you could see how they're changing the philosophy of I want to give this person that that maybe the 17 year old the the ice time even though they may not be as good but that's just kind of how it is and then you see the train kind of leaving the station and that's the NHL dream is sort of running away from you. But then you have this opportunity to go a new chapter. But what was your first impression? Oh, third division? Or what was your, like, you wanted to go straight in the SHL? Yeah, like I knew, well, yeah. Which like is, not, which is a little like unrealistic, I- right? Yeah, like I'm not naive. Like I know what it takes to get to the SHL. Like I know the resumes that are required. Like you need a lot of American League games and some NHL games to get in there. So like I wasn't, no, I wasn't expecting to go play SHL. Like I actually practiced with Oscar Sam uh, during the National League break. And like that was, you know, that was fun. And it was a good experience and like kept pace just fine. And uh, yeah, so originally I got really sold on Oh, you'd be up in Alsvenskin after your first year, which, you know, based on my stats in my first year pro, like I did really well. And, you know, I started to see like as a Canadian to go up through that route, it's really difficult. So let me, I'll, ba- I'll backtrack a little bit. So yeah, I got there as like third league, but I know Sweden's a hockey country. So it's very deep. It's not like you're going to a third league in some random country where it's not no, no. very good. So I wasn't too worried and like, I'm confident in my, I was confident in my ability. So I got there and it's, it's just a little different, right? Like I'm used to playing in in front of 7,000 fans 
every game. And like when I played in the queue, the Quebec Ramparts would get 15,000 fans a game and like, and angry French people fans, like, you know, <laughs> yelling at you, throwing stuff. So like, you know, I got into Morham's little tiny barn. We get our little thousand fans, but I loved it. Like I, I love, love that feeling. Like it felt like it wasn't superficial hockey, you know, it was that old barn Swedish. Like I, I loved it. So I didn't really care that I wasn't in front of 10,000 people, but, and they treated me well, like it is professional and uh, no, it and, was and, good. And, and, and let's be frank. I mean, where I'm from, Lexon, who's a b- big hockey culture, um, have 6,000 people in the stands is, is, is packed, is sold out. So put things yeah, into kind of perspective. That's in the SHL. Um, yeah. So that's a great um, rink. I've watched games there. I loved it. Yeah. I grew when I grew up, it was uh, in the old rink, which they tore down. Now it's uh, uh, nicer, but, but uh, still, uh, still a, 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 an awesome place with a, with an awesome atmosphere, but it's, you know, 6,000 people is not like 15,000 and very mm-hmm. few arenas in Sweden have the capacity to compete with how it is in Canada. Yeah. All right. So, but, um, and then you ended up in, so year two, uh, was it, was it, so you did number first year, was it automatic that you were going back for, for second year or how did that? Um, yeah, I think at that point it was kind of like when I was in Morham, we were a really bad team. And I think, you know, here's the thing is when you go over to a hockey country like Sweden, they like, there's already good players like across the board. You know, they bring in a, an import to kind of be an outside-the-box player. You know, maybe yeah. a little bit more flashy, maybe a bit more high-risk, high-reward, power play, whatever, right? So I knew that just coming out of the OHL, I had to have worked my way up there. So, like, okay, I started on a bad team. I had a really good year. Now I'm on the top team. So I uh, I signed with Kurhansta, and that is an amazing place to play. So I went there. I pretty much signed, like, right after the season, like, very quickly. And yeah, I was like, okay, now I'm on a good team. And with the promotion relegation, I was like, let's try to move up here. Um, I loved it. I wanted, I don't really regret too many things in my career. I learned a lot from my mistakes. One of the things I do regret is leaving there. I left there about 14 games in. It was in November. And one of the reasons why I left was I had a really bad concussion. And I had an opportunity to go back home and play pro in North America um, in the East coast hockey league with a call it a, a little verbal, maybe you'll get called up to the American league. And yeah. that was enough to be like, okay, I've had it. It's my second bad concussion. I might not get this opportunity again to go do that. I'm going to go and, and do that. And I walked onto a team in Brampton that was already really good. So I was just fighting for a spot in the lineup and uh, I had an amazing coach who taught me a lot about about the game, a game away from the puck, which I needed to work on. So it was great. So I went there, played on a great veteran team, learned a lot. We had a great time. We uh, we had a really good playoff run. And uh, yeah, so I ended up leaving Kronsta midway through the year and I uh, went jumped in the East Coast Hockey League. All right. So I have to ask you, too, how quickly did you did you when you first saw Kronsta? when you read so for those that go to your elite prospects 
because I had this conversation with Ted Soikonen before, because he he got on the train and I think he played in Kekransta as well, and he missed the train he missed the train station because he's looking for something else because it's 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 spelled Christianstad, but it's not pronounced Christianstad. So I actually when I landed because we just land in uh, in Copenhagen and then yep. take the train over. I think there's a Christianstad in Denmark. There is. So I would. I was taking the train there and I remember just from the year before taking the train, I'm like, I feel like I'm going the wrong way. And the lady on the train was actually really nice. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going here. And she was nice enough. I hopped off the train. She redirected me, put me on the right train. So I was, uh, yeah, it took me a little bit to get Kuran stuff, but yeah, I was saying Christian stad. I'm like, where, how do I get to Christian stad, Sweden? People are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 And, and then in the Southern part of Sweden, you know, um, the dialects are, are fairly uh, heavy um, yeah. compared to, to, to the central parts of Sweden or even in, in, in the Western part. So, all right. And then, yeah. but then you end up in my old stomping ground. I went to college prep in Borlänge. Um, I actually lived in, if you remember, Sharna Engar, where all the crime yeah. happens. That's where I yep. live. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're you're the kingpin there, weren't you? Uh, you know, I was I was kind of uh, living living large. No, oh, I can't say that, but there you go. Um, but I did have an apartment <laughs> right there, and and uh, this was you know 30 years ago, so so it was bad then. It's really bad now, but but I actually played oh, yeah. it in in that rink. Borlinga used to be called uh, Jose Dubel. Um, okay. And now it's called Borling. Um, and they're still uh they still got a good team. You know, they've kind of had a relationship with Lexon, almost like a minor league affiliate to a certain degree. Um, even though it's too too uh so you have a lot of juniors that are coming from from the teams like like Lexon that that maybe didn't get an SHL contract and then they get loaned out to comp uh places like Borlinga. Um and then yeah. also Vesteros, the place where I was born, actually. So lots of common, lots of uh, uh, commonalities here. Um, so three more years, go. yeah, three more years in, or, or two more years with three teams in 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 Sweden. Yeah. So what was your big takeaway from? So overall, four years. Uh, so you ended up you're in finishing up your career there. Yeah. In, in Sweden, what what was your biggest so, so, so when we talk about hockey etan, the third division, what, how would you describe it for those who don't know anything about Swedish hockey? First of all, it's good hockey. Like, like I said before, you're not going to a third division in a, you know, non-hockey country. Like, it's a very deep country. And if you're going to talk about like one, two, three leagues, it'd be like in North America where we got, you know, the NHL, which would be your SHL, Al Svenskin would be your American League, and Hakiatan would be your East Coast League. Yeah. And if we're not, not comparing those leagues side by side, but it's as deep as you would, you know, say for that. Like it's it's really good hockey. Hakiatan gets really good once you get into Aletan. In the regular season to start, you really see the difference between the top teams and the bottom teams. But once you get into Aletan, hockey really tightens up. Like it's now it's all good teams and it only gets better. Like when by the time we got into Kvalsir and we're playing against some Al Svenskin teams 
and you know the best hockey on teams it's really good it's fast uh, you know it's highly skilled and it, like it's gritty it's gritty enough you know people aren't necessarily fighting each other but you know checks are being finished all the time you know guys it's you know it's hard working hockey like it's it was a lot of fun to play it's it really good what was your feeling about the average age so to speak on the teams that you were on was it was there a mixture of the veterans and a lot of the young guys that are on loan or you know in terms of the talent level maybe undeveloped um that's a good question uh it varied right so for all the teams i played for so especially like so when i was in Kuransa, like i was only 22 right so it's my second year pro and you're walking into you know pro league in your second year pro the team's a bit older i think the average age must have been hovering around 28 29 30 and we had some really good veteran players and you know you're stepping into a first line first pp role so it really it pushed me as a young guy and it's it's tough to navigate to a certain extent because like i was playing in the east coast league and our veterans are guys that were on NHL contracts. And we had uh, one player, David Ling, and he had played pro for like 23 years. And he played the KHL, NHL, American League, NLA, like all the top leagues in Europe. And he was like, that. there's that veteran. And then there's the guys that have been in Sweden for 10, 12 years. And you see the difference in the way they were a little bit. So I, I grabbed a lot of good like nuggets from those guys that were you know, just in Sweden for that many years. It, it was just a different type of veteran. It's uh, it's kind of difficult to explain, but it was, it was a really interesting experience. What what about the, uh, the uh, um, you know, how many of those guys were working a second job? I'd say pretty much all of them. But, but, like but pretty much like, all of them. But they may have worked a part-time second job, right? Yeah, like a part-time second job. Yeah, they weren't going like nine to five in the practice after. I think we, I can't remember. Like in Kronstadt, we practiced at around two o'clock or one o'clock. Yep. So, and I'm the only guy on the team that's not working. Like it's, uh, hockey's my job there. So I, uh, there's actually a couple guys on the team that didn't work. So we'd be at the rink watching like TV, working out in the morning. And then we'd go on the ice early. We'd practice, stay at the rink after. So there's some guys that didn't work, but yeah, mostly part-time. Um, and I think it, even in Alspens can some guys work part-time too. Yeah. So yeah. it's common, which is interesting because, <clears throat> excuse me, like here, the thought about doing that, like in the East Coast League, like it's not possible. You play 72 games. The, I don't think, here's something for, you know, S Swedish players is the travel in Sweden is, is lightweight. Yeah. Like we would play a game in Brampton, which is just outside of Toronto. And you're taking a bus to, you know, Allen, Texas or the Idaho. Like if you're going cross conference, like I like you're spending hundreds of hours on a bus in a season, like hundreds. We were playing against uh, Manchester and went around the playoffs and uh, they were flying back and forth to games and we were busing. And that's like a 13 hour, 14 hour bus. And like you play a game, bus there, sleep in the bus, play a game play another game after that sleep in the bus bus back like you live in a bus yeah so one of the, one of the appealing parts about playing in sweden was the travel wasn't too bad yeah well and and especially if you for those who are playing in in the the, the division below those are really short bus rides maybe two hours oh, yeah. in 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 the in the second division uh that i think that that's 
What about the uh, last question about that is what about the what was your impression of how many of those guys thought about college and college sports? Do you, do you have any recollection of that? Not really. Like I, some guys would ask, you know, what it's like, like what the college life is like. And I can only say it through the tours I went on when I was younger, when I was getting recruited and buddies of mine that played in college. Cause I, everyone would always ask me what's like playing the OHL. Cause that's where I played. So I, I was talking always a lot about major junior. Yeah. Um, but not some guys would always poke around about the NCAA. Cause I, I know there's, you know, we have the import draft in the CHL and you see like Swedes go in that, but uh, you see some Swedes go from junior there to, to NCAA. What so, about what about the Swedish university? What, what about it? I don't yeah. know about it. It's a, well, it's a little bit of a trick question because it's it's really to me it's one of the big big drawbacks or or not. Uh, I don't know. I I just think it's a huge advantage that U.S. and Canada have is that is the how good college sports in general is, and then you have a university degree. And if you were to look at SHL, Allsvenskan, Division One, Division Two, and you and you can count how few people uh, that actually earn a college degree. So yeah. now it's not that big of a deal because it's a, it's it's you know not having a college degree in Sweden maybe not as big of a deal as it is in North America, but you know it's it, to me it's it's a big missing link of you know you have the hockey gymnasium for the kids that are you know, high school and then the equivalent of one more year. But then there's no more education. And yeah. and how few of the actual athletes go back and, and get their degree um, versus the pro athlete that comes out and they have a college degree or, or the ones that, you know, didn't make it in the, NA, in the NHL or the AHL. And, and, but man, they had an awesome experience in university athletics and and being part of that fraternity i think that it's something that sweden is behind on and they could really they could really have it uh in my opinion but but anyway um yeah so so, so let's move on to the so so now you you look back you played at a at a really high level both in in, in front of crowds in canada and you've been a different five different places in Sweden. You come back now to, uh, you know, where you are now in Toronto, and you have this experience that very few people have. So let's talk about the third part here: life after playing, um, and how does your, how does your, how does that changed you, and how do you leverage that in your current? Of course, you played hockey all your life, so you earned, you learned a skill that you can now translate by showing other people in skill development. But then you're also working, you know, uh, talk about Monarch Advisory Group and how did you end up there and what's your role there? And, and then we can talk a little bit more in detail about the how you, how you take the experiences and, and share them. Yeah, so life after hockey, that's a, yeah, that's an interesting one. So, I mean, everyone that's played the game goes through their own ups and downs and 
everyone retires either on their own terms or through injury. And it's just, everyone's got to navigate life after hockey. It's a big change, especially when you play professionally and you know, you're at the rink in the morning, you practice, you're at the rink after and you go home or you're in the hotels all day. So to adjust to like a nine to five job, a lot of guys struggle and you know, it's, it's just an everyday battle. It takes, you know, years to adjust. Some people get a little bit quicker than others, but it takes a long time. Um, ego is a big part of it too. Like you feel maybe you're watching a game, like ah, I was better than that guy. Like, or, Oh, I could have done that. Or yeah, maybe I make a comeback, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a big mental and ego battle, but, um, but no, when I retired, I stayed in the game. I, I was going to coach. I'm really passionate about player development. Um, so I've been, I've been really, you know, into that. And I, I have a good group of, of college and major junior and pro guys. Um, yeah. So I joined Monarch advisory group about six months ago. Um, Kyle is the head agent owner and uh, we can actually connect on LinkedIn and we had a really good conversation and I really have had bad experiences pretty much my whole career with agents as a lot of guys do. So he he reached out to me um, to say like, let's connect, let's talk. Cause I had uh, seen they were looking for advisors. I'm like, okay, we'll see. And we had a great conversation and he's a really genuine down to earth guy. And he's, you know, sick of players going through these scenarios where they have an agent, but he's not doing anything for me. And agents are not miracle workers. Like they don't just snap your fingers and find a team, but a lot of times you're finding agents being like, Oh, I'm talking to this team. I'm talking to that team, but really they're not talking to anyone. They just give you enough to make you feel like they're doing something. And, you know, Kyle and all the agents at Monarch are people that actually back up what they say. They're, they work tirelessly and they're on it. We represent our players as best as humanly possible. So I really was buying into what he was saying. He played the game. He went through a bunch of stuff too. And uh, he, he decided he wanted to do something about it. So I thought it was a good fit. And, uh, and yeah, so I jumped on board with them. Yeah. So, so what's the, the, let's, let's address what's the difference between an advisor and an agent from your perspective in Canada, right? Yeah. So I mean, the Canadian the kids, day- the Canadian kids are, 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 are maybe not as, 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 you know, it's not a big, as big of a deal to sign with an agent if you're going to go and play in the OHL? Um, yeah. So like, look, I had an agent when I was like 12 years old. So a lot of, it's very common here when you play in the GTHL, which is our, like, you know, it's arguably the best minor hockey triple A league in the world as most people like to call it, but there's a lot of really high end talent that comes out of there. So a lot of parents go and seek agents or agents seek them. You know, they'll try to jump on a kid early. Like if there's a McDavid or another superstar coming up in, in the ranks, they'll try to jump on those guys early, you know, and try to keep them happy all the way through. The problem is you get an agency that signs a guy like of that caliber. And then now that agent's walking around the rinks and maybe approaches your kid and says, I'd like to represent your guy. And you go, oh, I'm with this agency now. And they got all these NHL players and all these pro guys, but my kid's only 16 and maybe he's in the middle of the pack OHL draft pick or something. You end up becoming kind of brushed off to the side and getting stuck in those agencies. Um, it not all, it's not always the case, but it, it does happen quite often. So, 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 so who should get an agent? Let's go there. 
Or who should get pardon, an pardon advisor me? versus who's who should get an agent versus an advisor? Who, you know, it's so circumstantial. Um, look, if you're if you're a superstar, like at 15 years old, and you're going getting drafted in the first or second round of the OHL, and uh, you know those the agents and the advisors they'll they'll come up to you anyways, and you're basically going to have your pick at like who you want to jump on board with. But anything after that is, you know, you're kind of trying to play a bit of a longer game where, you know, you're maybe, you know, OK, my son has some talent, but he might be a bit of a late bloomer. So maybe we get an advisor and can advise us over the next three years, maybe get us into junior A, tier two, junior B, whatever. And maybe if they're good enough and have developed by the time they're 18 or 19, you have colleges and universities start taking a look. So it's circumstantial. I mean, if you're highly touted right out of the gate as like a 14, 15 year old, they're going to come to you. Um, but after that, it's more about uh, playing, like I said, a bit of a longer game. So, yeah. So if you are, um, what if you're a Swede? Cause I'm sure that there's Swedes that are want to come over here to North America. It's gotta be difficult to navigate and having someone that can do it for you would almost be a requirement. Yeah, that's a bit of a different situation. So, yeah, there's two sides to that. So, one, yeah, it's if you're a I mean, Swedish it's almost like, player, it's almost like where you were going to Sweden and you didn't know how to navigate, don't have the connections over there versus exactly, you know, right? Yeah. If you're if you're a Swedish player playing junior, yeah, and you want to come over here, yeah, you're going to need someone that that knows the landscape here, but that also understands the landscape in Sweden, right? So, they have to understand where you're coming from and what assets do you have? Or like, how are you as a, a young man or, you know, all these different things. There's so many circumstances that like they need to know about where you're coming from before they try to get you over here. What would you have since, since you went through some difficult and I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, wish it would have done this and that, and they jumped on something and they got recommended this guy or that guy. What would be the 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 one or two things that you would give advice on uh, regarding hiring an advisor or an agent in terms of the, who is going to be the right guy or gal? Like if, if you're a parent or a player from yep. Sweden, I say take your time and interview multiple companies. Like and interview multiple people. Um, at the end of the at the end of the day, people I think have a bit of a short sight on hockey in a career to a certain extent where they just think about you know this move might impact my next season and i get it we just take it one season at a time one day at a time but try to kind of settle things down interview multiple people and think okay i'm 17 years old playing junior i'd like to play in the ncaa by the time i'm 20 or 21 and interview multiple people and see what that long-term plan is like see how if they are big on their development, do they watch your games during the season? If even if they're abroad, like do they watch you? Do they converse with you? Do they, you know, are, are they are they helping you find trainers or whatever it may be, right? You want someone that's fully in your corner. And there's a lot of good player agents and advisors out there. There is, but there's also a lot of uh not great options. So it's really up to the parents and you know, the player to, to interview multiple people and kind of weed out, you know, explain to like there's some that may be great for this person, but not the right fit for you. Because like what you were talking sure. about, 
okay, maybe Connor Bedard's agent is not going to be working as hard for you because he's working really hard for Connor Bedard. Not, you know, yeah. My, my point is that maybe you need to be real with what your level is and be, if you are not going to be an NHL guy, but you want to be a college guy, maybe you shouldn't be going after the agents that are representing the NHL guys, but the ones that are, man, yeah. this is my sweet spot. And this is, this is my clientele. Yeah, it's that's another thing too, right? Is I mean, you do want to have that mindset that you are maybe a little bit better than you think you are, right? You want to feel like you know what? Maybe I can get there. Maybe I could do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you also right. So you want to have a little bit of that. But yeah, you can't be like I'm playing in uh, hockey twan and I'm gonna play. I want to get to the NHL in two years, right? Like you yeah. can't be a little bit, you know. Not that being said. I played with a guy who went from hockey Twan to the NHL in like four years. So it happens. That's it happens. not what I'm saying, but it's, it's few and far between. Okay. But no, it's, yeah, you gotta be a little bit realistic of what your goals are. And you know, you gotta have a bit of a plan. Like, so when I went to Sweden, I wasn't just thinking, I want to get up to SHL. I went over there thinking, okay, if I do well here, I could get up to Alice Fenskin. If I get up to Alice Fenskin do well, maybe I could hop back to the American league. And then I, right. So I was looking as for stepping stones. Yep. You got to have that same mentality. I feel like is okay. I'm 17. I'm playing junior. I want to get to the NCAA. I'm on a good team now. How do I take a stepping stone? Right. So ultimately, you just got to navigate that. Ultimately, it's up to you as a player. You got to be the one. I mean, an agent or an advisor can't do but so much. Right. And exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think that's. I, I, yeah, I think it's, it, I think it's a interesting with your background. Um, you know, you, you become an expert after the fact, right? And and you're in a unique uh, kind of rounding out a little bit here, but you're in a unique position where you're young, uh, not too far removed from playing, which gives you a really good advantage. You have experiences that you can uh, you can share and um, and I think that that's important you know there's (laughs) there's a lot of golf coaches that are terrible golfers right there's a lot of hockey coaches that are terrible they can't skate I mean I could probably put myself in in that in 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 that (laughs) I'm not I'm not as good of a skater anymore I've kind of realized that but but at the same time, it's it's uh, you know the the ability to connect with the right person, to truly form relationships, to be able to, you know, you could you your your advice is only as good as the person that is willing to listen to, right? So, the ability sure. to align yeah. is, is important. So yeah, hundred percent. No, and like like that, it's it's really and look like. Kind of like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty. So after the fact, you're able to break down and assess your your kind of path a little bit, and that's why I kind of stress that if you are someone, let's say a Sweden playing in junior, you want to get over to college, and you are seeking an advisor, is to really do your due diligence and take your time, and you don't need an agent like that minute. Like you're, you know, it's 
you want to have someone in your corner that's going to look out for you and just be there for you, right? So I, my advice, yeah, just don't rush into things. Talk to multiple people. Get as much information as possible. All right. So I asked this question to a lot of people at the end, and that is, uh, so you're 29 now, right? 29? Yeah. You're going to stay there 29, I know. But uh, but y- y- you meet yourself 12 years younger. You're 17 uh, you, you sidle up to them and, and you know, as a 17 year old, they're not going to ask you for advice, but you're going to give it anyway as a 29 year old. What advice would you give yourself when you were 17 that you know now that you didn't know then? When I was 17. Wow. Uh, for me personally, yeah, I had, I probably had a bit of a chip on my shoulder, so I probably would have told myself to settle down a little bit. Um, I always thought, you know, I was raised that respect is a, is a two way street, but especially when I got into the queue, I was 17. Uh, they really, they tested me. Like my coaches were really testing me and I didn't really play into their game very much in the wrong way. I pushed back a little bit too hard and I would tell myself at 17 to maybe just kind of roll with it. And that actually kind of goes back to how I was in Sweden. Like my first year or two there, you know, there's, there's the Swedish way and, you know, it's a little bit, a little bit less confrontational. It's a little bit different than here. Like I'm used to a coach yelling in, coming in after a game, after a bad loss and just blasting us. But when a coach is coming in and asking, you know, what do you think guys, like, what can we do better? I was a little bit taken back. I had to readjust how I was off the ice a little bit. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and I mean, I think that that's the way we, we learn along the way. And and again, that's the position that you're you know, that you're in now to give back. And it's going to be fun. You're probably going to look back at yourself in your current role five years from now and say, man, I'm so much better today than I was five years ago in my current um, position. Right. But you grow and you learn along the way. Mm-hmm. All right. Last thing. What's, yeah. So so what's the best way people can find you on monarchadvisorygroup.ca, but what, what other ways is if they want to get in touch with you, chat with you, uh, you know, use you from a, from a standpoint of as an advisor or, or just to be able to talk, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. So you could uh, always connect with me on LinkedIn and shoot me a message. I, uh, I have, you know, I have time for people that are, are looking for advice and, you know, they're just, they're just curious. Like I, I do have a pretty like interesting, unique experience yeah. and I've had, I've had, you know, I've been very lucky that I've been able to step back outside of the game and really assess kind of my whole journey and pick it apart so that I can help the next group of, of players come up and help them navigate it. So yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn and I'll keep, say my door is always open, but my inbox is open. You can, you can send me a message. <laughs> And uh, I'd, I'd be happy to chat. And uh, even if, you know, anyone just wants to pick my brain or, you know, I'd, I'd be more than happy to. Now, what about the younger guys? Because, you know, there's not an 18 year old that has LinkedIn, right? Uh, there's a few, that <laughs> do, but are you on Instagram? And uh, no, I am not. I am not on Instagram. I have stayed off Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all that, all that fun TikTok stuff. No, I'm off it. And I guess, yeah, I mean, LinkedIn is it's it's a good way to network for sure. Like it's yeah. you know it's got that more professional feel. So 
even as an 18 year old, like if you even get it just and start following all these different hockey pages and there's so many professional players and coaches and trainers on there where, you know, even if you're a, a Swedish player in junior and you're like, I'd love to go train in North America for a week or two. And you can find different trainers like myself. And there's so many people doing it that you could reach out to them via LinkedIn and be like, Hey, like what would, what would this look like if I wanted to come over and train for a couple of weeks? So yeah, get on LinkedIn. I, just I, I agree. I think that's a great advice to just to create a profile, connect to some of the hockey groups and, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a good, it's a good forum. It's not just for accountants and lawyers. Um, it's, it's <laughs> no. really for everybody. So, Hey, Lucas, I appreciate no, it's great. it. I know you're on your way to, uh, to another skills clinic and, uh, thanks for taking the time and, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll be pumping you for, for, for some good, um, I'm trying to market this a little bit better, but so I'll be pumping you for some highlight videos and, and uh, we'll we'll release it on on Instagram for you. So, okay, right on. No, I appreciate. It. Thanks for taking the time. I, I had a great time chatting with you. All right, thanks, man.